We're going to be reading one verse of Scripture for our opening text found in St. John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 5. Hallelujah. This is what it reads like. Jesus doing the talking. He says, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. When you, when you look at that, put an image in your mind if you've ever seen people uh, raising grapes. And you know you've got, you, you got that one center vine that comes up out from the, the ground and, and the vines uh, spread out. That's what Jesus was referring to because those grape uh, uh, plantations was all over Israel uh, uh, back in his day. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Now that last phrase there is what I want to focus on tonight. Without me, you can do nothing. Heavenly Fathers, we come this evening, we thank you and we praise you for your grace and your truth. Thank you for the services this morning and being back tonight. And there are still several people, Lord, that are not here due to sickness. We pray for all of those tonight. We pray for the names that's in this glass bowl. That you would deal with our heart and bring them back into the fold of grace. Anoint me to deliver this word tonight according to your direction and guidance. In the blessed holy name of Jesus, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to you tonight on a subject titled, Paralysis of the Body. Paralysis of the Body. Now you're going to have to hold on because we're going to go somewhere with this tonight. Uh, paralysis, according to what I looked up and, uh, uh, and, and stu- did a little study on it, paralysis is a loss of muscle function for one or more muscles in the body. Paralysis can be accompanied by a loss of feeling in the affected area. Paralysis is brought on by nerve damage which causes a disconnect between the nerve endings and the brain. Now, put up that first picture, Chris. Another Chris, and you will probably recognize this man, Christopher Reeve. As one, um, one most people, I believe, should know, who suffered paralysis after an accident. The one who played Superman became a paraplegic, and after a few years succumbed to the affliction. Amen. And he did everything in his power to try to find a cure. After it happened for years, he made the statement that he was coming out, but he never came out. And uh, he uh, actually was a quadriplegic. He was uh, he, he had the loss, he couldn't use nothing. His total body uh, was, was wasted. And, but his mind and his head still functioned. Uh, but the, there was a disconnect 
between the head now and the body. Now, I'm going to do some of uh, the word I coined several years ago, Sammy Pruitt's preaching, because this message tonight is going to be involved a little teaching, a little preaching. My interest tonight for this message is a spiritual paralysis of the body of Christ. Think about that. A spiritual paralysis for the body of Christ. Now, Jesus said in John 15 and 5, our opening text, that without me or apart from me, in other words, to be separated, cut off, or disconnected from Christ, you can do nothing. That paralysis, because there is, that is paralysis because there is a disconnect between Christ, which is the head, and the body, which is the church. Now, if you bear with me just for a moment, I'm going to show you how this all comes into play. The church is not only called the bride of Christ, but we are also the body of Christ. Hallelujah. When Jesus went away, Jesus is not in heaven in an earthly body right now. He went back to his, to his former form before he became, back into the spirit form. The only body of Christ that we have is the church. We're his body. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, first, um, uh, first Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now, understanding that we are the body of Christ on this earth, we also need to understand that Jesus is the head. Can I get an amen there? Hallelujah. A pastor is not the head. Nobody else is the head. Jesus is the head of the church. Hallelujah. So, He is the head. We are to the body. And when there is a connection... Hallelujah. When the connections are all there, Christ says, the works that I did, you shall do greater also. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's important that there don't become a disconnect between you and the head, between me and the head. Because if there's a disconnect between you and the head, there is a spiritual paralysis in your life, and you can't do nothing. The head tells the left hand to move, but the left hand don't move because there's a disconnect. You follow me? Same way with the foot or whatever. It's important. Colossians 1, 16 and 18. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Next verse. And he is before all things, and by him all things exist. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Next verse. And he is the head. There you go. He's the head of a body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Hallelujah. Put our second picture up there now. Hallelujah. This is something that we have to be settled and sold on, 
and have no doubts and be not wishy-washy about. We've got to understand if the church is to function the way it should function, we've got to understand that the church is the body. We're his hands. We're his feet. Amen. Everything that Jesus does on the earth now, he does through his body. Come on. Amen. Christ, the head, the church, the body. There's only one head. There ain't no two heads. The, uh, the Pope of Rome is not another head. Come on. Hallelujah. They might call him, amen, uh, the, uh, uh, what, what's that title? I, I know it. Uh, no, it, 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 it tells that he is the, um, uh, the vicar of Christ. That's it which means he is the substitute of Christ on the earth. Now, the church itself, the blood-bought ones, we're his body, we're his representatives, hallelujah. And he's not the head, no other man is the head. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And what we've got to be concerned about, amen, is staying connected and that there's no disconnection between the head, amen, and, uh, uh, and the body because Jesus said, apart from me or disconnected from me, without me you can do nothing. Nobody in this house has any authority, any power, anything else unless they're connected to the head. That's where it all flows from. So now we see how it all comes into play. We also should be aware how a church can become paralyzed spiritually. Amen. That's always, I don't care what kind of church it is, how long it's been in existence. Amen. Every church, every congregation, amen, is subject to being disconnected from the head. And when you become disconnected from the head, that congregation becomes paralyzed spiritually, not able to function the way the church should function. Remember, Christ said, without me or disconnected from me, you can do nothing. A spiritual quadriplegic only existing. All the while, the head trying, pleading to get the body to move, but cannot due to disconnection. Hallelujah. Amen. Christopher Reed tried all he could do to make his arm move, make his feet move, make his body function, but it didn't matter how healthy the head is. If the body, amen, is healed, if it's disconnected, it don't matter what the head's trying to do. We can stop the will of the head. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Jesus, the Bible says, didn't do many mighty works in Nazareth. Why? Because he didn't love them? That was, that was his hometown. That's where he was raised. But the Bible said he couldn't. He couldn't do many mighty works in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Hallelujah. Their unbelief caused a disconnect to where they couldn't do anything. Now, how does paralysis occur in the body of Christ? Amen. There's a lot of things that we could say. I just talked about not having faith. That could be added. and uh, I, I could talk a whole lot on this. 
uh, and uh, if you want me to and be willing to stay here to midnight, and we'll talk about some of them. But uh, uh, I'm just going to give you uh, uh, a few of them tonight. And these, these things are some of the most important things I feel like. The first thing that can cause you to become disconnected from the head is because of unconfessed sins and failures in your life. Unconfessed sins and failures in your life. Isaiah 59 and 2. But your iniquities have separated, or let me change that and paraphrase that, but your iniquities have disconnected you between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. If you don't think unconfessed sin will mess up your relationship with God, you better think again. Hallelujah. I realize the new Christianity being promoted today emphasizes love and happiness and living your best life now. A well-known preacher put out a book like that, but I'm going to tell you what, I never have and never will expect my best life to be here on earth. My best life is when I'm going to be on the streets of glory. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, all of that is, has saturated people's minds and people seem to think that their shortcomings doesn't matter with God. But if we allow unrepented and unconfessed sins to build up in our lives, we will, uh, we will slowly but surely develop a paralysis uh, which will affect our ability to function in the gifts of the Spirit uh, and walk in the dominion that Christ gave us. Hallelujah. Do not think, uh, amen, just because the grace has been applied to your life and God has mercy, amen, that He's just going to bypass my sins. Amen. And what? But I, and it's important. Amen. That when I, well, when I do wrong and I mess up and I get off the track and the Holy Spirit con con condemns me of that, I need to confess that to God and get it cleared out of the way and not carry it around because it will cause me to get, become disconnected to the head and sooner or later I will have spiritual paralysis. Oh, hallelujah. I understand we're humans. We all make mistakes. But we should never just shrug off our sins. Too many apostolics are shrugging off sins to people today. Hallelujah. We, sh uh, uh, we should never just shrug off our sins as being human, and we can't do any better. Because we are not supposed to be controlled by the Adamic nature. Hallelujah. But God has included in our salvation the means by which sin won't build up in our life and cause us to become disconnected to Christ. Jesus has already made a way that you can... You see, sanctification is not only instantaneous, but it's continual all through our life. God has created a way and a plan that when we mess up, we go astray and... Uh, we all have areas that we deal with, but God has made a way that we can take care of that and sins don't have to build up on our life to the point whereas we eventually become disconnected to Christ and can't uh, hear His voice no longer. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, this right here 
has nothing to do with people in the world who never have come to repentance. He's talking directly to the saints, directly to the church, because he starts off by saying, My little children. Hallelujah. My little children. These things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, if you do slip up, you do make a mistake, we got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He says, now it's God's perfect will that you don't sin. But when you do, if you do, God's prepared a way, come on, through His grace, through His mercy, that all we got to do is to go see the advocate. Hallelujah. Have a talk with the advocate. Go to your lawyer, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And here it tells us, amen, in 1 John 1 and 9, that we do when we approach that advocate. If we confess our sins... Don't hide them inside. Don't keep holding on to them. It's important that you listen. Repentance at an altar of prayer is not just for the, uh, the, uh, the sinner out in the world, but I've never known a Christian, I don't care how long he have been in the church, never knew a preacher who didn't need to repent from time to time. Apostle Paul made this statement. He said, I die daily. Hallelujah. What do you die to? You die to self. The world. Hallelujah. He had to do that. He made another statement one time that uh, myself being a minister of gospel, it's one thing that weighs heavy on me, has weighed heavy on me for, uh, for many years. He says, he says I, Paul said, I keep myself, my body, under control. He did, he did that by dying daily, repenting daily. He said, lest, even though I have preached to others, I myself might be a what? Castaway. Hallelujah. That one verse right there tears the shreds, Brother Bobby. All the people preachers once saved, always saved. You don't need no more verses than that. Paul said, if I don't keep my old man under control, if I don't care, keep this Adamic nature within me, he said, even though I preach to hundreds and I, uh, I have seen great and mighty miracles, he's even raised the dead. He said, even though I've done all of that, he says, I could be a castaway. Hallelujah. We continue. As soon as you realize you've done wrong, you need to confess it to God and repent of it. And if that wrong includes you, uh, harming somebody else or hurting somebody else, you need to go to them and get that squared away to you. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is one area that we can become disconnected from God, which will cause us to be, have, be a, a spiritual paralysis in our life and the life of the church if there is uh, built up unconfessed sins and failures. Hallelujah. There's another one. The second one, failure to pray. A failure to pray. 
Church, I am fully persuaded that the greatest disconnect that the modern church has with God is in our prayer life. That's the greatest disconnect the church has. We are, we are so self-absorbed in our family, in our work, in our pastimes, and just the overall demands of everyday life that prayer time is the easiest thing to place on the back burner when we are rushed and everything else. I've done it. I confess. I put prayer on the back burner because I felt, hey, I got this and I got yeah, Even though, listen, I pastor a church. All right. That, that in itself is a full-time job. I pastor a church. And for the last uh, over two years, I'm the mission secretary for the, uh, the ABSC, and that, my friend, is very time-consuming. I've got, I've got checks and, and letters coming to me from churches all over the country that I, in turn, have to uh, um, take care of and send out to missionaries all over the world. I've got missionaries calling me, texting me. I'm, <laughs> I just got to sleep the other, uh, other night I, when I don't have, we don't have church and we don't do nothing else. I'm, I'm in the bed by 9 o'clock because I'm usually up by 3.30 anyway. I don't have to get up to 4, but most of the time I wake up about 30 minutes early. And so I try to go, to go to bed early. And I just had gotten to sleep, and I heard this funny, I woke up, I thought I was dreaming. And... Uh, I said, what in the world is that? Then I looked over, laying beside the bed, and I remember that, that taking my iPad with me, uh, uh, that I had uh, done some stuff on that before I went to sleep, and laid it down. And I had, I had a minister, which is also a lawyer, very educated man, uh, trying to FaceTime me at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I, I, I says, you can FaceTime some other time. <laughs> you know, I, I got I to get some rest. And all the stuff that I do, I do it for the kingdom of God, do it, do it to help, and don't get, don't get paid for it. But yet, I cannot let all of that time that keeps me so tied up and busy cause me to put my personal prayer life on the back burner. Says, well, God understand. I can't. I can't pray right now. I, uh, everybody's coming to church Sunday, and they're expecting the message. So I'll. I'll put that prayer. Hey, if I put that prayer on the back burner, the message is not going to be very good. People's not going to get much out of it. Hallelujah. If I say, well, you know, God. God appreciates the things I do for missionaries all over the world, but still. That if I if I if I I cannot let my personal prayer life none of this stuff pastoring on down how can I allow it to get before my personal relationship with God? Hallelujah! I have uh, uh, tried to uh, help younger ministers and bring younger ministers along down through the year, and one of the things that I tell all of them is that one of the biggest mistakes. You hear things all the time about pastors getting burned out and 
are not not just burn out, but a lot of them fall in sin and, uh, and and going wrong. And one of the big issues there is I found this to be true that a lot of pastors, a lot of ministers of the gospel, the only time they open their Bible and read it is when they're trying to get a message up. The only time they pray is when they pray for God to help them get a message up. And that's no good because your spiritual man is suffering. There's, I, I have got to make time for God's Word on my own so I can read and get God's Word, not trying to get a message together. I have to take time to pray to God personally, amen, for, for myself, for my own, because if I'm not careful, I can become disconnected and become spiritual, paralyzed, amen, because of that. So do not, amen, have, let your, do a failure to prayer. Don't become so self-absorbed in everything else that pulls for our attention, amen, that we uh, 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 put our, our, our prayer life on the, on the back burner. I hear people say all the time, I want to get closer to God. There is nothing that you can do to get you closer to God than talk to Him in prayer. That is the best and easiest way to get closer to God is have a good, strong prayer life. I, I, I want to mention some examples that Jesus left us about praying. And as I was going through these things and looking at these things, it kind of amazed me. Now, here was Jesus. We all know Jesus and his power and authority. But Jesus always took the time to pray. Matthew 14 and 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart. Notice that word apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there all along. Now he had been there all day long praying for the sick, praying for people, healing people, teaching. He was a man like everybody else. As a man, he got weary. He got tired. But when all the people, he sent them all away, instead of going immediately to, get to recuperate, he went up on a mountain, apart or away from everything else to pray. That's an example for me and you. It's good that we pray together in the church. But your prayer life needs to be some times that you get alone, just you and God, nobody else around, just you and Him and you're praying. Hallelujah. What did, um, what did Jesus pray, pray about? Uh, and we're talking about examples that Jesus did of prayer. What did Jesus pray about? Well, you know, Jesus always prayed before He made important decisions. He always prayed before he made important decisions. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. And it came to pass in those days, they went out into a mountain. And that's something else I noticed. When Jesus prayed, most of the time he would find a hillside or a mountain to go up to pray. Just about all the time. This particular case, he came, uh, he went up to a mountain to pray and continued, am I looking at that right, all night? All night? My, 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 my. 
all night in prayer to God. Next verse. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Now, a lot of people get disciple and apostle mixed up. They think they're the same thing. They're not the same thing. A disciple is, is simply a follower of Christ. That's all a disciple is. And by this time, Jesus had quite a few disciples that followed him everywhere he went. But he was fixing from those, all of those hundreds of disciples to choose 12 men that was going to be the head of the church that he was going to purchase and leave on this earth before he went away. This was such an important thing. And you, we would say, well, you know, Christ should have all knowledge and everything. But Jesus did not pick the 12 men to become apostles, to be the leaders in the first church until he spent all night long in prayer. Let that talk to you right now. Let that speak to you. Choosing 12 men to lead the church was a very important thing. And he was determined that he wasn't going to pick any Tom, Dick, and Harry to lead the church to when he left. Our big mistake in the modern church world today, and I think I mentioned this this morning, we make too many important decisions in life without spending enough time in prayer. Hallelujah. Thinking about buying a house? How much have you prayed about it? We're, 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 we're so itchy for a good deal. If we find a good deal, we think it's a good deal. Hey, I got to jump on that right quick. You better pray about it. You better seek God about it. I'm of the uh, 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 persuasion and belief that everything that you purchase, everything that you do, jobs that you take, you need to go to God in prayer. If you don't, you will be disconnecting yourself by God. Somebody offers you a good job and more pay, you jump on that without talking to God about it first. And we got situations right in our church. There were families split apart, tore all the pieces because they, they become disconnected from God and they thought more of the pay and the benefits than how it was going to affect them spiritually. And they come to, the, come to this pastor asking counsel. They did come to the pastor and ask counsel, but God gave me discernment, and I spoke a word to them from the Lord, not from me, but from the Lord. And I advised not to do so. And it hadn't been very long ago. Well, and now I had one, and then I had the other. The wife come to me and said, You was right, Pastor, in what you told us that day. That job that I took caused me to lose my family, my husband, my children. I appreciate Sister Lisa came to me after service this morning, and she says, I want to talk to you a minute, Pastor. I says, okay. 
And um, she says, I got a testimony. She says, I was offered a promotion on my job, making quite a bit more money. And while I was in there, all, she says, all of a sudden, I, I felt the presence of the Lord and God lead me. And when I found out about how it would change things, I says, I can't take that position because it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess up things with what God wants me to do. So she told her boss that she just had to turn it down. She had to turn it down. Ain't too many people willing to do that today. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something. I know she made a move, a right move for God because she thought about her spirituality and what God wanted to do. God's going to bless her more than just one way. He's, and she turned down higher pay. God's going to bless her financially. Hallelujah. He's going to pour more on her than she would ever got in that other position. Hallelujah. I believe that. Amen so much. Hallelujah. So Jesus prayed before important decisions. And then also an example he gave that's a good example for us. He prayed for others. He prayed for others. Luke chapter 22, verses 20, uh, 31 through 32. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Who is he, who is he referring to there? Peter, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Woo! Here's Jesus. Here's the Master. Simon, I know the devil is going to try to get a hold of you and sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, I've already prayed for you. I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, <laughs> sometimes even Christians need to get converted. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. That's an example of Jesus' prayer that lets us know, don't just pray about yourself and your wants and your needs. Pray about somebody else. There's some souls in this little bowl up here on this altar that needs somebody to take concern and pray for them. That the devil will lose his hold on them. That we'll see them come back into the house of God. Hallelujah. Jesus prayed for others, leaving us an example that we should pray for others also. Amen. One Old Testament one Old Testament prophet said, you know, God forbid that I, that I commit sin and not praying for you. Let's me know that we can commit sin just by not praying for somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. One final thing, and I'm bringing this to a conclusion. He prayed when he was burdened and distressed. Yes, Jesus had times and periods of burden, being burdened and very much distressed. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 38, and this is the last scripture that we're going to go to. Then said he unto them, 
my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. This was in the garden after uh, the Last Supper there in the um, uh, upper room. They was in the garden. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. He was burdened. He was highly distressed. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Next verse. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Church, we all get burdened time to time. We have anxieties to deal with. All kind of pressures on life. There's no better way for you to come through them than going to God in prayer. There's a chorus and song that sang, that sung, Leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Hallelujah. So prayer, the lack of prayer, the failure to pray, amen, will cause a disconnect between us and the head, letting us not being able to function. There's going to be people walk through those doors. We don't know when, but they do all the time. That's got all kind of issues in their life, all kind of problems in their life. When they walk into the house of God, they need to find somebody in that assembly that spent some time in prayer with God. Hallelujah. Somebody that's not disconnected. Somebody that's connected to the vine. Because they can come forward and we can pray, but if we're disconnected, that prayer ain't going to get past, past the ceiling. We're not going to them, do them any good. So I'm going to close with that tonight.